are listening to Afraid Not Podcast with Jill McCormick and Robin Wall. We believe that our stories matter and make us who we are. Every other week, we invite guests to join us and share their stories. Even though our stories have nots, we are not afraid. Our stories are afraid. They are not perfect. We believe that the truth of our mess makes us stronger. We hope that God uses these stories to encourage and strengthen your faith as you trust in Him. Our theme verse is Colossians 1:17, which says, And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together, even our frayed knots. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not Podcast. You are listening to episode 111 with Dr. Jennifer Holloway. Jennifer is the assistant principal at Northeast Elementary. She's also been a college professor and a teacher. She grew up in Lawton, and she would be just so fun to work for. Oh, she yeah. Is so fun. You, you'll get to hear a fun story about how her, she and her husband met. Yes. And um, I think that Dr. Jennifer Holloway is our only PhD interviewee that we've ever had. Well, I mean, your husband has a PhD. No, he has a Doctor of Ministry and Education. Oh, oh, okay. But Jennifer has her PhD in Instructional Leadership academic curriculum and you know what she's a fantastic storyteller listeners you are going to absolutely be gripped by how fun it is to just listen to her stories and be moved by her stories and to hear god's faithfulness weaving through every surprising twist and turn in her life and it's just a fantastic conversation we think you're gonna love it jennifer thanks so much for joining us today Thanks for having me, Jill and Robin. This is fun. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for saying yes and yes. for coming to be with us in person. It's fun to record in person and have the actual room shared together. And we are so thankful. We know a little bit about you and we're excited, but we're excited to hear the story that's the whatever God's put on your heart today to share. So we'd love to start today with having you introduce yourself to our listeners. You bet. Well, I am Jennifer Holloway. I am married to Jake, my husband, for almost 17 years. We have two beautiful girls, Julia, who is 14, and Jillian, who is 11. Um, And we had a dog, Charlie, for a while, but Charlie got to go live with our neighbor, and he's such a good, faithful helper to them, so that's (laughs) a good thing. Um, But yeah, and um, we have lived in Owasso for about 17 years, I guess since we got married, Um, and I'm an assistant principal at Northeast Elementary, and I've been there five years, so it's been good. Before that, um, I was a professor in the education department at Cameron University at Rogers State. So Cameron and RSU are under the same board of regents, the OU Board of Regents, and they didn't want to duplicate another education program in the state, and so they just took the Cameron program and made a branch campus at the campus of RSU, which is in Claremore, which is beautiful. I love Claremore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I love it. I it love it so much. It is a very lovely campus. Oh, it's yeah. so lovely. There's all these statues of like mm-hmm. presidents. But, um, <laughs> and a lovely pond and an angry swan. A very angry swan. Sarge. Sarge. 
Who's still there? Yes. Well, I didn't realize swans mate for life, but his mate was uh, attacked and killed by a predator. And so he's bitter and he's got a bit of an axe to grind. And he has chased me on that Harrington Hall parking lot. And I was very scared. yeah. And I just threw cheeses and ran. I did not know about the angry swan. Oh, yeah. Quinn has texted me before. Like, the swan is, like, right outside our dorm and we cannot leave. Oh, yes. (laughs) If you live in Claremore, beware. Of the angry. It's just on the RSU campus. Okay. Yeah, he doesn't leave. That's right. But I took some kids on a tour there like a few months oh, ago, yes. and he was still there. And I was like, oh, yes, sorry, she's still here. Well, sometimes <laughs> he'll like sit in a parking spot, and you're like, okay, I, I will keep looking. You say, you, you do you. But um, I taught there for 10 years, and I loved it. But um, the part that got ex- a little exasperating for me was the publish, and which is very hard to publish, and presenting and being away from home or traveling. Um, I just... This is crazy. I love to write, but I got I got so weary of writing. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to teach, and mm-hmm. I love teaching. And so when an opportunity came available local, I went ahead and jumped to be with my kids. Um, their school had been through a couple principals within a relatively short amount of time, and the stability scared me a bit. And so I wanted to hop in and provide some stability because I knew my kids would be there. Right. And so, and God laid it on my heart. This is so crazy. But I was picking up my kids from vacation Bible school. And Molly Kitch was there. And she was just like, oh, I'm excited about going back to school. Kind of sad. We're going to have another new administrator. You know, our assistant principal moved to BA. And I was like, oh, I'm applying for that job. And it just came to me. Like, God laid <laughs> it on my heart. Moment. In the moment. I hadn't even gotten my kids from their youth leaders yet. And I was like, I'm going home and I'm applying for that job right now. And so I just knew. And I went home and I literally applied. And then I called my husband. I was like, I think I've done a thing. (laughs) I've applied for this job, but I can always say no. I'm the worst thing. They offer me the job. And I interviewed, and it was great, with um, Dr. Fitchner and um, Miss Million. And um, it was Kathy Curtis at the time, who I loved. Such a a sassy gal. I loved her. graceful, too. Gracious lady. So phenomenal. And I interviewed with them, and she offered me the job. She's like, well, we need you to start Monday. I'm like, great, I'll be there. Oh, I so love I figured it. out how to leave my other job, and, but it worked out, oh and I've been goodness. thankful for it. It's been good. Before that, um, I'm originally from Lawton, grew up in Lawton, um, was born there, um, was a senior at Eisenhower High School, home of the Eagles, very type oh, A. Lawton Ike. Lawton Ike. Well, I don't know if you remember, but there was a time when Putnam City North High School and Lawton yes. Ike were big rivals. Yeah. Oh, so my goodness. State, state, state championship. Really? Yes. It was a big deal. Oh, I remember that. That's so funny. Our paths crossed and we didn't even know. I know. I apologize for anything negative that I ever said about Putnam City. Please forgive the Putnam City North Panthers for their rudeness about Lot and Ike. That's okay. That's okay. (laughs) I would love to hear the story of how you met Jake. Oh my gosh. Well, that's magic. It's God working magic in our lives. It's pretty amazing. I know, me too. Me too. So I grew up in Lawton and I had gotten a a full ride to Cameron University, which is the local university. And my parents were like, you can go where the money is or you can go elsewhere, but you'll be paying for that. And I didn't want to have debt. So I just went the the local route. I went the local route. Absolutely. And and I I was there for three and a half years and I graduated because I was like, there's not a lot going on here. I feel like I'm in 13th grade. Um, and then 14th grade and 15th grade, all of my friends had gone on and, and, and launched lives. And I I stayed at home. Um, and that's something that I kind of always regretted. But mm. such is life. Um, and but so, you had no debt. 
I had no debt. I graduated with no debt. Thank you for that McMahon scholarship. Gotta love those people. Um, but I graduated and there were no teaching jobs. None. Really? Uh, wow. Our well, state was, was incredibly time. poor. Yes. There was a time that there were teachers so, everywhere and not today. Yeah, not so today. I graduated in December of 98 and in 1999 our state was pink slipping teachers left and right. Those first year teachers wow. that got jobs didn't even get to come back. And so I worked at Chick-fil-A and oh I tutored at Sylvan Learning Center and I substitute taught and worked all the jobs just to like pay my bills and like not lose my mind because there was no jobs to have. And I did everything right. I followed all mm-hmm. the rules. I I went to the college. They said I I took the class. I did everything. Did you have a bachelor of science in elementary ed? Or I did. You? I did. I had a Bachelor of Science in Elementary Ed, and I was like, wow, there's no jobs. And so I worked until one day a man came through the drive-thru and was like, what are you doing here? I remember you. You were the student body president at Eisner High School. And I was like, yes, I was. I had a glory day. (laughs) (laughs) I used to really amount to stuff, and now I'm serving you Polynesian sauce. But um, he was like, I got a long-term sub job for you. And I was like, thank you so much. Well, that turned into a long-term sub job, turned into a teaching job for me. Got hired in October, which the Oklahoma State Teacher Retirement Board does not consider a full year. So I will get to teach another year because I started in October. But it's fine. It is what it is. Um, So I taught um, Barrett Lawton. I taught sixth grade for three years and third grade for three years at a title one school um called lincoln elementary which i loved i was in the new wing built in 1938 okay oh the new wing oh girl yes yes just just ripe with asbestos i'm sure um but but it's great it was great it was you know i love teaching in a giant park because i'm freezing it was fine Uh, and the kids were fine but um i absolutely loved it and i was working on my master's in administration because i already knew i think i might want to be an administrator and affect change on another level I see that there are people that are disgruntled around me. Perhaps I could help, you know. (laughs) And so, and I too was a little disgruntled with all of the things and requirements of the time. So I got my master's at OU in um, education curriculum um, and administration. Took the test and I thought, man, I'm never doing that. That job stinks. That internship is rough. Those parents are awful. People cuss you out. It's awful. Teachers don't like you. You have no friends. It's the loneliest job ever. I don't know if I ever should have done this. What am I doing with my life? And so I was like, I'm just going to go ahead and get my PhD because I'm looking around and and there's there's nobody to date here. Uh, Everybody that I work with, you know, it would be a felony. To date. <laughs> so I really want to keep my teaching certificate, and all the people that work here are women. I'm not going to jail. Yeah. And at this time, how old were you when you were like, let's do the PhD? Yeah, I was like 26, 27. Wow. Yeah, and so I was like, awesome. I'm going to have this by 30. Like, dream a big dream, right? For love myself. It. I'm just going to do this. I love it. And you know what? If God does not send me someone, I mean, I was praying for a spouse, like, Lord, you, you know I still want this, right? You know this is still on my heart. You have this written down somewhere, right? Because I'm going to, I'm going to. I trust you. <laughs> uh, it was so funny because there was just nobody. I mean, I just dated some squirrels. I, I dated a lovely peanut farmer from Carnegie <laughs> who wanted me to move back to the peanut patch, but that just couldn't happen. I no. uh, dated another man who spoke of things that absolutely frightened me, and it was like, check, please. I'm not, that's always so good to take your own car on that first date. Yes. Oh, yes. And yes. that way you can go like, you know what? This has been lovely. I've forgotten. I think I left something on at the house. <laughs> I best get scat scoodle dude, so we're not doing this. But... Um, um, yeah, so I dated some some real winners, and I'm like, okay, grad school's looking real good. <laughs> and so I went to grad school, but I didn't want to do administration because, gosh, that job looked awful. Like, it was really lonely, and um, 
I just, you know, I don't enjoy being yelled at by parents no, or people. No, it's not fun. It's not fun. It's not fun. It's not cool. So um, I was like, I'm going to do curriculum. So I did instructional leadership academic curriculum with an emphasis in social studies. Wait, say that one more time slowly. Yes. Yeah. Your... Instructional leadership <laughs> academic curriculum. And then you could pick your, your little subheading. So you could do reading, science, social studies. You could do arts. Um, and so I just picked social studies because I always loved history. So is it kind of like involved in writing the actual curriculum? Yes. Okay. So it would be, or uh, teaching people how to teach that, or being a curriculum leader, perhaps for a district, um, making those choices, understanding the curriculum, understanding the decisions that are made to produce it, Mm -hmm. how that might always, not always be the best thing, and how important it is then for the teacher to have a voice in in defining and shaping that curriculum. So there was lots to learn there, and it Mm -hmm. was 121 hours, and I just jumped in feet first. Love it. 121 hours? Yes, but they do count your master's as that first 36. So I was like, okay, 36 down. (laughs) 36 down. And so I Did you work full-time? Yes, because I couldn't afford it. So I I taught full-time at Lincoln, and then two nights a week I drove to OU campus because it was the closest one, and OSU did not have my program. Oh, wow. um, so I'm like, okay, it's hour 20, 20 hour 30 minute commute. Um, I'll go two nights a week and then the summer I'll just pack it in. I'll take like nine hours a summer and work at Sylvan still. Uh, and then I worked at Sylvan the nights that I didn't go to work so I could pay as I went. So I paid for my doctorate as I went to school. So this I wouldn't is fascinating. have debt. But I mean, like I wow. ate ramen for like seven years. Like this is, <laughs> I lived very like scrimp and scrape yeah. and, you know, just trusting and knowing. And so as the further I got in the program, I was like, okay, I really love this. I love instructional leadership. I could see myself as a professor one day, um, maybe impacting teachers' lives, and maybe I'll serve at that level. And so I'm teaching at Lincoln. I'm in my program. I've almost finished my coursework where I'm ready to, like, start the beginning of my dissertation. And our librarian, Jane Ann Malakowski, comes in one day, and she goes, I never do this. And Jane Ann is like the sweetest woman. She's like my mom's age. Her kids are grown and flown. And she goes, I never do this, but I feel like God's laying on my heart to tell you about this boy. (laughs) And she goes, are you dating anyone? And I'm like, no, Jane Ann. I am working two or three jobs and I'm going to grad school. And she was like, would you come over to my house for taco salad? And I'm like, I'm very hungry. I will. (laughs) I will come. If you are making a meal, I am there. Not ramen noodles. (laughs) I know. Or Cheetos and a PB&J on the turnpike. And so she was like, I have this friend. I grew up. We were, um, um, we go to a small uh, church in the country. It is non-denominational. It's Peace Church. And I was like, tell me more about this. And I'm like, first, first thing. Does he believe in God? Like, what is non-denominational? I wasn't, I didn't have enough understanding about that, and it kind of scared me. Yes, he believes in God. Does he believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes, he believes. Okay. (laughs) Was he baptized? No, we don't do a water baptism. We believe in baptism by the Spirit. And I was like, okay, I'll ask questions about that later. (laughs) Moving on. You know, and just like, (laughs) I wanted to make sure the big rocks were solid before I stepped out, because, you know, once again, I dated the man I had to leave at the Cracker Barrel. Uh So, um... (laughs) worked out great and so we meet at her house it's Easter weekend and he's in from Tulsa he lives in Tulsa he's an engineer for FW Murphy they make gauges for like um, natural gas oil and gas 
I understand nothing of his world. It's all <laughs> math and science. And so he lived there, and I worked in, of course, Lawton, doing my thing, going to school, teaching. And so we met Easter weekend at Jane Ann's house. We arrive at the same time. We have the taco salad. It's a lovely evening. We branch out into a little chicken foot, some games of cards. It's lovely. <laughs> Next thing I know, it's like 2 a.m. I'm like, oh, this day went really well. So 2 a.m.? That's a good first date. I'm feeling <laughs> lovely about this. I never stay up past, you know, this time. I'm a teacher. I go to bed at like 9 o'clock. So um, anyway, he looks over at me and says, well, if you're ever in Tulsa, give me a call. And I was like, oh, what? He's just, oh, you didn't know he was in Tulsa. I knew he was in Tulsa, but I am never in Tulsa. Right. For you just to say, if you're ever in Tulsa, give me a call. This means I'm just not that into you. And oh. I was like, oh, this was my best material. <laughs> like anything that I have here this evening, I have nothing else to We're give my family in the, in the main show. I mean, this is my Oscar-worthy moment. And so I got in the car and I went to church the next Sunday and I sat in the pew with my mom and dad. My mom goes, well, how'd the date at Jane Ann go? I go, you know what he said? If I'm ever in Tulsa, give him, give him a call. Mom goes, really? Hmm. Oh, well. <laughs> no, like, this is a big deal to me. So I went back to school, and of course, all your teacher friends know. And so they're like, well, how did you go with Jane Ann? And I'm like, uh, I thought it went really well. And then he said, if I'm ever in Tulsa, give him a call. And they were like, hmm, okay, that could have many meanings. And, you know, they try to branch off and make you feel good about it, but you really know. Didn't hear from him for three days. Three days, the telephone rings, and it's him. He thought that he needed to wait a period of time as to not look too eager. And I'm like, really? Listen, buddy, I'm 28. Like, my clock's a ticking. If we're going to get something moving, we got to get something moving because I've got an agenda for my life. Um, but if it didn't work out, I was going to uh, finish my degree. I was going to move to Arizona. I wanted to teach at Arizona State and have a house with no yard, rocks for the yard, and a little dog. And I was going to be happy. That was going to be my life because I'm like, God didn't send a man. Clearly, my eggs are drying up. This is where I'm at. So it's going to be okay. I'm just, it's going to be okay. I'm going to have a great dog. It's going to be a great yeah. life. And, so, and no yard to mow. And no yard to mow, which is great. Much less repair and, and maintenance. Sure. Well, so he called me back and we started long distance dating. And then like, we just knew. We just knew. And it was so great because like the second date, I'm like, this is working out. This, this is going to work out. And you didn't have to do anything. It just did it all by itself. That's how you know God's hand is in it. You don't do anything to make it happen. You just show up and God does all the work yeah. for you. It was so easy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I finished my coursework and my district gave me an assistant principal job. They're like, we really would, could, you know, use you. And I said, oh, okay. And then I thought in my mind, well, I'm going to be in Lawton another year. So I stayed in Lawton and I was the assistant principal and I started getting my dissertation stuff ready. And, and then Jake uh, decided, well, I think we should go to town and get a ring. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. So we drove to Oklahoma City, we met there, and we got a ring, and he proposed in February, and we got married in June. And That's it was sweet. a great deal. It was it was just an amazing story, amazing time. Yes. And I always credit Jane Ann with that, because she was obedient to God laying that on her heart, because she's like, listen, I really don't want to get messed up in any of this sticky social business with you young people. <laughs> However, or if there's a heartache, and you might ever right. like leave that on me, you know, and I wouldn't, but... I always give her the credit for that. So 17 years later, here we are. And, of course, his job wouldn't move to southwest Oklahoma, so my job came up to him, mm -hmm. which is a crazy story. Um, we got married, and I applied for a job with Tulsa Public Schools, and mm -hmm. I got hired. Like, they called me the next day, and we're like, but we don't know where. Oh. And I said, oh, okay, well, I'll take it. 
And, and they said, we, we're not really sure quite what capacity either, but, but I'm like, a job is better than no job. I'll get my foot in the door. Perhaps this could lead. You can do anything for a year. I mean, I had to take PE in college. I took aerobics. You can do anything for a year. <laughs> so I did it. I did it. And I took it. And we went on our honeymoon. We went to San Diego. Fantastic. The water in San Diego is cold. It is not a beach where you frolic. Mm -hmm. It is a beach where you take a light cardigan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I did not know this, but I've since learned this. Um, And so I got home and Tulsa Public said, okay, so we know where you're going to be. We're going to put you as a principal at our downtown school of choice. And I'm like, oh, where is this downtown school of choice? And so they sent me the address and we got in the pickup. We went to Brahms to get an ice cream cone and we went looking for the school. And uh, this is funny. We went by one that was near our house, and I thought perhaps that was it. It was not. And when we pulled up, we're sitting there licking our cones like two hillbillies. I mean, we've got dirt <laughs> on the truck, and I'm like, okay, I don't think this is it. We, you know, we'll um, maybe try some of the others because they're all pretty close together. And uh, the police come up behind us with their lights and sirens oh, flashing, no. and we're just sitting there licking our cones, looking around, and I'm like. I wonder if this is a good neighborhood. I have no clue. But whatever it is, we haven't done it. So I'm not worried about anything, right? We're good. So we get out our license. The police approach from the side of the vehicle, like with their hands on the vehicle, the Jake's truck. They pull up and ask for his license and registration, and they go back. They don't tell us anything. We're like, what have we done? We're not parked. We, we're like, the foot's still on the brake. We wow. haven't done anything. And so the police come back, and they go, what are you two doing here? And I'm like, oh, officer, we just got married. I got a job at Tulsa Public Schools. We're, we're looking to see if maybe this is the one where I was hired because it was closest to our house. I thought it was. Clearly, it's not. And he goes, this is a prostitution ring in the <gasps> oh, front drive no. of this school. I'm going to need y'all to go ahead and get on out of here because this is where the gentlemen pick up and drop off ladies right in front of the circle drive of the school. Oh, and we were like, no. oh my goodness. What? And at the same time, I start sweating buckets because I have all of my life savings, $1,500 in cash in my purse, which we were going to use to put carpet in our little house that we bought. And I'm like, oh, I've got a wad of cash on me. You know, I'm a teacher. I have no cash. Like, this is right. a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yes. we splurge for the cone, okay? <laughs> and so I'm like, oh my gosh, this is my carpet money. If he has to search me, he's going to think that I, I'm lying. And this <sighs> cash is really like stuff that I've earned. Oh. I was mortified. Uh. So when we got the driver's license back, we're like, okay, well, we'll never return. Thank you very much. We, and drove off. I'm like, okay, so this isn't the school. This isn't the school. So we found it. It was right off of Boston. And I got to tell you, it it's a site. It's up on a hill, um, kind of back behind uh, OSU Tulsa, uh, mm-hmm. back in the area. And that's where I was principal my first year. And it absolutely, that job ate my face off. Oh. And it's one of those that you learn so much from experience. Was um, it elementary or grade level? It was an elementary school. It had pre-K through fifth grade in it. Uh, they had all-day pre-K, which I actually love. I wish we had all-day pre-K. Um, but... Um, Oh my goodness, the things that happened. So, um, like I would park and I would walk up and there would be homeless people sleeping on the patio. The buses came through to pick up the secondary students and I would have to clear the homeless people off the front porch to like unlock the door and open it up and get it ready for the day. Wow. Um, and we had metal, those metal barrels on our playground and they would start fires in those to stay warm. Mm-hmm. And so we would have to come and, you know, you extinguish those fires so they would cool down enough so it would be safe for like 
pre-K and ever use the playground. Um, so there were things like that that I was like, oh. okay, I'm I'm like 29, <laughs> like almost 30. Um, this is my new job. I'm working on my dissertation. I'm newly married. I'm uprooted from my church. I've left all my friends and everybody I knew in London. I'm sinking. Like I, I have got to find some women. I've got to find a church. We've got to find a church. Right. So we landed at First Baptist Tulsa, and they helped carry us through that very difficult um, first year. But it was crazy. Uh, There was a day when um, I was in the office helping with a parent, and a woman came in. Our doors were not locked. We didn't have cameras. It's 2007. We just, we didn't have it. Yeah. And a woman comes in the front door and runs and snatches her four-year-old off of the nap mat in the pre-K room and runs out the back door out of the playground. And she starts running down Boston. Oh. And the teacher calls the office on the interim. She's like, oh my goodness, we had a mama come in and grab her baby. Somebody help. She grabbed him. She ran out the door. She doesn't have the right to have her baby. And I'm like... Oh, my gosh. So I, like, drop what I'm doing and head out the front door, and I'm like, Diana, call the police. And I just run out the front, and this woman is running south, and I am chasing her, and she has her baby and is running down the street. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Um, If I catch up with this woman, she could clearly take me because I'm like... You know, I barely survived aerobics. So I'm like, this isn't going to be good. This isn't going to be good. And luckily, the police were so Johnny on the spot. And as the police car came around the corner, she chucked that kid in the bushes and ran. And so the police, I went for the bush to get the kid. And the police went and got the lady and brought them all back to school, to my office. And we had to, they explained to her, you can't have this baby. You've, you know, these choices that you've made. It's not your baby right now. She just wanted him. But things like that would happen, and it just absolutely overwhelmed me. Um, I had another woman um, threaten to kill me because the kindergarten teacher had done something that she didn't agree with. And you know mama bear mode is a real Mm -hmm. mode. Mm -hmm. Um, But she said, you need to call the police right now because I'm coming up there to kill you. And so I did, oh, and Tulsa police were like, wow. we're, we're on our way. And um, it was crazy because I was so scared that I ran. Our custodian didn't speak English, and so I'm like, lock the doors. I need you to lock all the front doors. I need you to lock the playground. Like, lock down. We're in lockdown. Like, I'm sc- <laughs> I'm yes. scared. I'm nervous. Yes. And so, bless her heart, so I ended up running and locking doors, and we called the police, and, and she got there before they did. And so she's beating on the doors going, get out of here, and calling me this plethora of names. Mm-hmm. And it's just super scary. And the police come, and they put her in handcuffs and take her off. And oh. and I have to get a restraining order for this parent. But restraining orders are only good for a certain period of time if someone's threatened your life. Well, that time is less than the school year. So oh. by April, she can come back on campus. So I was super scared coming to work, like coming and going, like things like that. It was like the job just kind of ate my face off. Our counselor (laughs) got a break through her windshield. Two of our cafe ladies got their car stolen on the same day. Like there's a chain link fence around the school and three barbed wire straps around the top. And they still managed to get two of the cafe ladies' cars. Wow. And I have no idea how, but it was just... Lots of things happened within the year that made me very fearful and very scared. And I kind of got to a point where I could tell Jake so much, but I didn't. I was in this new marriage, and I didn't mm-hmm. want to be the person that was always bringing the sad story or the scared story or like a victim or like a, I, I've got this. You know, I wanted to be capable. 
Um, but I was very scared that first year, and I got into um, a great women's small group at First Baptist Tulsa and found great support there, um, but ultimately decided, like, I'm going to have to leave this job or it's going to eat my face off. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I'm scared to death <laughs> to go to work. And so the job with Cameron University, which is the school that I did not want to go to, <laughs> But you did. <laughs> they reached out to me in the spring. Talk about God working wow. in your life. They reached out to me in March, and they're like, we're starting this new program up at RSU, and you would teach eight different classes. But because your PhD is going to be in instructional leadership, you technically could teach any of those methods courses other than reading. And I'm like, you know what? I will mop the floor. I'll do whatever you need. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm interested. So I drove down to Lawton to interview with women who had been my professors at the time and been mentors in my life. They were now leading the department. Um, Dr. Marcy Blackburn, I'll never forget. Dr. Jennifer Dennis, these were women who were gracious and and invited me to take this opportunity, and I jumped. I'm like, okay, God, this is you. Mm -hmm. This is you speaking. I graduated with my doctorate in May of 07. I married June of 06. Graduated with my PhD May of 07 and started that job that June. Wow. Wow. And I'm yeah. like, this is God working in my life. Yes. And I was so thankful to leave the school. Um, I should never have been principal at that school. They took that school from a veteran who'd been there like 28 years. And in my little exit interview, I'm like, you need a mentor for principals. You need someone who will help when things get scary because I'm leaving. So you had no one. To I had go to. nobody. I had no assistant principal. It was me and oh. my counselor with the brick in the windshield lady, and it was tough. Mm-hmm. Wow. So wow. I didn't want it. I had a really bad taste like of administration. Like there was no administration above you that could come in and say, "Hey, here's what." Oh, girl. Well, we had three area superintendents, and mine was a really nice lady who was in a transient role herself. Like, I left, she left kind of a deal. Mm -hmm. And um, I had put several teachers on plans of improvement for just, like, ideas to help. I'm putting you on a growth. Like, I don't don't want to be punitive. I don't want to be a gotcha. But we've got to improve in management in this area, or I need you to, like, come to work each day. Like, things like that. And, um, Imagine. Yes. And so um, when I went to, like, hey, I've got these people. I'm working on this. They're like, yeah, you've, you've, you've probably done enough. So you just kind of dial that back. You just want to maintain this first year. And I thought, okay, I don't have somebody helping me or supporting me from above here. So I'm going to have to do something different. And God worked that out in my life. That was obviously at the top of my prayer list. Um, and it's hard that first year you're navigating living with this hairy-legged boy who <laughs> comes with his own set of smells and charms, and, and then you've got this charming job, and you're trying to sort it all out. And I became overwhelmed, and I became a little depressed, mm-hmm. um, just waiting in that period, waiting for God to direct here, there, or not. And it, it got really difficult for me. And there were some days that were really hard that I thought, should I be here? Like... Like here, here, here. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Like I really wrestled with that, mm-hmm. but it worked out. So how did it work out? What were the steps you took? I called my mother, <laughs> who's just been like the greatest mentor in my life, and um, talked with her. She recommended a book, of course, because that's my mother. She's a reader. Um, my mom's PhD is in journalism. She taught mass media communication and um, law for Cameron. And um, she helped me walk out of it. It was good. In hindsight, I wished I would have been braver 
and found a therapist. Okay. Um, or been brave enough to maybe even talk to my doctor about it, mm-hmm. about the feeling of the overwhelmed. But it was such an incredible loss that it even took a toll on, on my physical health. Mm-hmm. And it was really challenging. It was just a dark stage of life. And think about all the things that were different for you. A different place to live, a different, instead of being single and independent, you were with your new husband, yes. adjusting to that. Yes. A new job. Yes. A new city. Yes. No a new church. church. A new yeah. church. You had all of these things up in the air. Yeah. It's a lot yes. of stress on a life. It is. I didn't have a hair person. And you know how important that oh, is I in know. your life. And to have it like, <laughs> because sometimes that's yeah. a little bit of a chair therapy. Yeah. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was nothing or a dentist or anybody. I, I knew nobody here mm-hmm. but him. Mm-hmm. And you can rely and lean so much, but you have to have your girls' uh, circle of support. Yeah. You have to have women mentors in your life, which I think is why women mentoring other women is so important. Mm-hmm. And just being like, no, I've, I've, I've walked this path, sis. You just keep following those breadcrumbs because God's going to lead you in, out, or around. And there's mm-hmm. going to be another season. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it takes a while for the season to show mm-hmm. up. But it always comes. And so I was grateful for that. And, of course, um, that was 07. And then in 2008, we had Julia. Mm-hmm. And such a gift for us to move forward and stay in that role for 10 years, which allowed me to be a mom mm-hmm. and be home. And, and it was perfect. It was a great season of life. Oh. But so that next year, did you that next year you went to Cameron? Yes. So I was at the downtown school for a year, and then I transitioned to Cameron the following year and learned that role, which also had its challenges. And being a branch campus, all of my meetings were ITV. I couldn't serve on committees um, quite like people who were local could, unless those meetings were um, ITV instructional television. So I sat in this huge. Um, uh, lecture hall by myself watching them on the screen and it would invariably some, be somebody's birthday and I would watch them all get in line and eat the cake because you know on the <laughs> teachers if there's teachers there's going to be a cake for your birthday oh, yeah. and I would watch them and I'd be like wow that cake looks really good you know I'm pregnant I could use some cake but it was fine it was fine it, it's you, like pre-zoom it is <laughs> it was pre-zoom it was preparing me for COVID I didn't even know it but it was just, um, I was so safe that I was willing to accept and allow a whole host of things to not be comfortable or feel like I belong because I felt safe. Yeah, how, talk about that. Well, how was that so different and what was that flip from going from that elementary school to this professor job where you suddenly feel safe and you have people around you? Yes, which was a 180. Well, and the crazy thing about the job was because it was a branch campus, I taught... Um, Uh, Four classes in the fall, three classes in the spring. They're all different classes. And I supervise student teachers in the spring. Then in the summer, I taught art, music, and PE for elementary educators. Oh, wow. Yes. That's a very well-rounded professor you are there. (laughs) Well, it's kind of like jack-of-all-trades, master of none. (laughs) And then the other lady they hired was an adjunct, and she did all of the reading. She did science methods, um, and um, she did the practicum portion of it, which was great. So it was just us. So it's weird because in schools, you have your your school family, and it's so important. You don't even realize how important and how much you need those people and those relationships. When you leave that to go to higher education, there is no group. There, Everyone is vastly independent. They have their own research interests. They have their own um, 
gifts and talents. Everybody kind of is a hermit. They go in their office, they drink their hot tea, they wear their tweed jacket. It's very different mm-hmm. than let's all gather and have cake because it's Marco's birthday this month, you know? <laughs> and so it's a very lonely job, but I was prepared for it because the principal's job was very lonely. Um, and you didn't have a lot of friends or um, acquaintances at your work. And it's hard because as the administrator, you can't be friends with those teachers. You don't go out and eat right. dinner. You don't get together. None of them, n- none of them went to my church. Um, and so I had to develop all new relationships and, and get that belonging from a whole separate group. So I had to rechannel myself, which was really hard. Mm-hmm. It was a very lonely time. But you know what I think prepared me for that was living by myself all those years before I got married. Mm-hmm. You know, I lived in a rent house. My dad had rental property. and My mom and dad had rental property growing up because it was a lot in Fort Sill. So there were always soldiers coming in and out. And so my dad let me stay at one of his rent houses. And I just, I had to pay the taxes on the house, which is how I afforded to do what I, what I did with school. And... Um, so I lived by myself for so long. I think that prepared me to move into a lonely role of leadership and then move on to an isolated role in higher ed. Mm-hmm. Then when I left that job at I, of isolation um, at RSU, I transitioned into that role at Owasso, and it was like instant family. Oh. It was fantastic, and people were kind, and people that my work went to my church. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so it would be like, oh, I know you. It's kind of like, you know, Elf when he's like, Santa, I know him. I know. It's like, oh my gosh, I know you and I value and respect what you do. And we have shared value. It's just, it's easy to fall into a a pattern of belonging. Mm -hmm. And And it's life-giving. It is because those people help carry your burdens. You didn't realize you were carrying so much of it by yourself for Mm -hmm. so long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then when you get to share a load, and then you can share theirs, it's such a privilege. It was such an honor for people to come to me and share with me, hey, this is what's on my heart. Will you pray for me about this? And I would be like, yes, I would be glad to. And I would write it down and write those names down in my planner so I could go back and ask them, hey, how did your mom's hysterectomy go? Or how is your cousin who was struggling with addiction? Or all those things you could circle back around and like care. Someone yes. wanted you to care and be part of their life, and it was um, it was reciprocal, and it was so fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I'm comfortable staying in a role where I'm, let's face it, overqualified. I should be doing something else. <laughs> I probably should. But at the same time, like you love the people, right. so you don't want to leave the job. Yeah. And it seems like all of the wonderful glimpses I've had through the social media looking glass of how lovely Northeast Elementary School is. I know that you have a great part of that, creating that climate that's so fun and wonderful for the administrators, for the teachers, for the students. It's It's a wonderful climate that your building is. It is, and you don't realize how much the fit matters, but the fit of where you work matters. It's it's kind of everything. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't fit, if those aren't your people, man, I'm telling you what, that's going to be a rough carnival. Mm-hmm. It's just rough. But if you can find your people and you belong and you feel um, cared for in return, um, you'll do anything for mm-hmm. those people. And the ride is so smooth. Like, I can't imagine I've already completed five years and this is the next. Like, it went so fast. It went so fast. Yeah. And it's so easy that it doesn't feel like work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, 
you get excited about going to work. Like, it's not like oh, yeah. the Sunday scaries of like, ah, oh, I gotta go to work tomorrow. It's I know. Like, it's different. I don't wanna go back to school. <laughs> I'm excited to go back to school. I'm excited to go back after Christmas break because I need to know what happened in people's lives. I'm, I'm missing out on all these stories. Yeah. Is your youngest daughter, younger daughter now, finished with elementary school? This is her last year at Northeast. Okay. So that she's in fifth grade. This will complete um, my promise that I made to Michelle, um, uh, my principal, when she interviewed me, um, that I would stay because my goal, my whole purpose in being here was to do what I felt like God called me to do, which was be there to get my girls through and help provide stability to whatever leadership, she, however she wanted to steer the ship, I would help. Mm-hmm. Um and now that that's kind of come to a close, I started praying, like, okay, Lord, do you? But I haven't gotten, I don't felt any tugging. And it always seems like uh, you don't have to go scratching for stuff because it will come to you. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. so easy. Yeah. So I feel like God will open a door and then I'll go, oh, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I'll just go do it. And then, of course, tell Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've done this thing. <laughs> I've even thought about just going back to the classroom and teaching. I miss teaching. I taught mm-hmm. sixth grade and third grade. I love both. I told my friends I went from kind of being the Terminator back to like being Mr. Rogers a little bit. And then, <laughs> like you loosen up, loosen up, but and then you love them and, and they like their teacher and they don't want to date each other and they don't smell yet. It's just, it's so pleasant. But then you miss, you know, teenagery, hormony. Mm-hmm. I mean, they bring their own brand of charm. Yeah. So I don't know what I'll do, but... I'm open. I've worked in, like, every age group, too. And yes. there's just good and bad about all of it. Yes. I love it, all of it. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that period of lonely? Because you seem very extroverted and not somebody that wants to be lonely. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you yeah. navigated that? Yes, I am. I am very extroverted and a very goal-oriented, like a go-getter, mm-hmm. like journal my whole life. Do you know your number is? I don't. Do you know, I need to do that. Okay. It's actually yeah. super fun to find out. Is that a difficult thing? Well, it just is revealing about, oh, that's why I do this. And that's how I tick. Oh, it yes. just is very fun. Like to find finding out. your colors. I've been colored. Yeah. I'm a gold. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the gold. motivation for everything we do, it, it really is insightful. I should do that. Yeah. That may be something I could do for the new year as a I, I tell you what, that yeah. would be fun. Um, but yes, I was very extroverted. So I give, 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 and then I I reach a touch out point, where I have to go home and like uh, I have to I have to introvert for a while. Mm-hmm. And so when I get home, it just and then I have to reinvent myself a little bit and I have to recharge my battery. So my home is a cocoon. It's very quiet. All my books are there. All my hot teas are there. Um, you know, I could be like that old lady with like 12 cats, but you know, mm-hmm. Julie's allergic. But um, I have to have that downtime. So when I'm at school, I am go, go, go on. Happy, joy, joy. I want to hear every story. I want to help. And then when I get home, I'm very much real, real back and it's quiet, it's chill, it's calm. I don't do a lot of extra. Like if I do a daytime thing, I don't maybe want to do a nighttime thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You gotta reserve that energy. You do, and the older I get, the more I'm careful to guard that energy. Like, oh no, no, school's about to start up. There will be no dinner plans for the next month because I've got to like gear back up because we're going back into the rodeo. You know, it's right. the arena opens. Mm-hmm. And so, um, <laughs> so being lonely, um, was difficult, and I got that um, extroverted care from my church, particularly from my small group. I love the pastor. I love the sermon. 
love the choir. I still love an anthem at the offertory. Sometimes you just hear that, and that is more worshipable than the sermon even. <laughs> but um, I needed that church family to get me through that time. Um, and we were at First Baptist Tulsa for, for um, I'd say, five or six years. But we noticed that our children uh, didn't ever have a name of someone from Sunday school that was a friend. And it, what we've learned is when you go to a downtown church, there are so many zip codes that feed that church Absolutely. that there's a lot of transition and not a lot of continuity. And so there would be different people in and out. And so it'd be like, well, who did you sit by in church today? Well, I think her name was, no, what was her name? You know. Mm-hmm. And so that's when we made the decision, we need to find a local church with kids that you go to school with. So that you, when you go to church, it's so important to have those relationships where you know their name and they know your name. Right. Because you're going to need each other to lean on when you hit secondary. Yeah. And we want to develop those relationships now. And Pastor Grant was the children's pastor then. And he was... Did you already moved into Owasso? Yeah. We were were living in Owasso and we were commuting um, to Tulsa for church. When we first got married, we lived right north of TU on 244 in a little bitty house um, that had one bathroom. Yeah, I don't recommend that for a marriage. <laughs> well, you know, we just moved, and Sean loved this house that we found that had one bathroom, and I was like, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to veto this. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is not going to work. It's not going to work, especially if they love to uh, suddenly uh, invest in literature whenever they use the register. <laughs> and so you're like, how can you be a non-reader, but now that it's time to use the facility, all of a sudden, uh, here comes the hunting and fishing magazine. <laughs> We're going to need to process quicker because we have the one. So uh, that was difficult for me. So moving to Owasso was a great choice. I only really need was good heat and two bathrooms, please. (laughs) And found that immediately, which was great. Um, But we still commuted to um, First Tulsa. And then so that's how we transitioned and found First Baptist Owasso, which we loved. It was all because we came to the Easter service. Our neighbors, April and Joe Kidwell, invited us to the Easter service. We were blown away. It explained the entire gospel in a way that our children could see, touch, smell, feel, taste. It was changing. It was a decision. Oh, you're talking about where you walk through. The Passion Week experience. Yes, the Passion Week experience where you walk through. And we were like, how can we, how can we, this has been such a teacher for all of us. And so that's what got us. And we were like, okay, they were involved in the Survivor's Life group. We showed up, and we uh-huh. and that's where I met you, Robin. And, we, and yes. you were there for a season, but then you branched off to the. Now I'm teaching in the youth. Yes, yes, okay. And that's how it. I evolved. heard you teach a couple of times too before I moved on. She teaches my class now, and I love, I love hearing oh, you teach. Thank you. I love being in a room where you're the teacher. You're fantastic. You're sweet. I love to teach. It's one of those God-given talents that if you don't use up, like it will demand to be used in you. So I feel like that is a way for me to still get to use my gift um, of teaching um, when I can't use it for my day job. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I love it. And if I'm not doing it, I truly feel like I'm out of obedience. I feel off. The planets don't align. It's a weird feeling. But when you disobey a calling in your life and you are not doing what he wants Mm -hmm. you to do, nothing works. Do you think teaching is probably your spiritual gift? I do. That and hospitality was another one. Mm-hmm. I love to host a shindig. I just love it. <laughs> I love laying out the cookies. I love getting all the stuff. I just love doing it. I love getting together. 
Um, a way that I have found connection, because I do love our small group, but um, it's community Bible study. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing it for three years now. I do it Sunday nights at our church. It's $35, so it's so accessible to anyone. Um, and it's non-denominational, and which is fantastic. Um, and so I have learned so much. We start out with Genesis. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the beginning, God created the earth. What do you got new for me? <laughs> like, I've read, I've already read through the Bible. I've mm-hmm. done those plans, read it through it in a year. It took me a year and a half because, you know, things. But I got through, and, and I was just like, okay, I don't have a deeper understanding of this. So I did community Bible study. It was so good. It's so crazy. Every time you get back into God's there's some word, wild stories in Genesis. Oh, kind yes. You kind of have to work through. That's so yes. true. Like, uh, this is, I'm sorry, this is just a strange story. It is. Cain and Abel. What are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> I mean, all kinds of stories that I'm like, I don't, what is happening here? I know. And, and how did Cain and Abel get wives? <clears throat> Like right. I've wondered that too. I'm pretty sure Eve was the first one at the door. That's the only one I've read about thus far. Uh-huh. Sure. How is this working? Hmm. I'm not sure. But there's, there's lots of questions. questions. Yes. yes. And that, that journaling process as you're going through that is so good. Um, and the discussion part is good. I've learned about myself that I don't do well with video series. I've tried so hard to do the Beth Moore. I did tried to do Daniel. I love Daniel. I can't do it. I get in the video and all of a sudden I'm thinking, do we need eggs? I think we need eggs. Mm. Um, We're probably out of butter too. I should write that down. Have we to put the trash by the curb? My mind won't stay. Mm -hmm. But if I'm in connection with a group of of women, um, I stay. And I'm focused and I'm all in. And I learn more. Yeah. It's been excellent. And I've kept all my books. Like if our house was ablaze, other than my children, I would make sure that I've got my study Bible, which is the one I've used, and those books because I don't <laughs> want to forget. What if I forget? I mean, I still keep the lanyard with my dissertation on it that has my little jump drive on just in case OU calls and says there was a mistake. <laughs> we, we've read through it again. Turns out it's all junk. <laughs> I, it really worried me, and that was 2007. Like, I still have it. It's in the safe. Like, I... I so I have to have these things. I still have all my notes. What if someone asks me something and I need to understand that? I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> I could be on one of those hoarder shows. <laughs> but I feel like I may, I may be called upon to do this. So No, this is fascinating. I'm like sitting here trying to figure out your interview number because I'm thinking about doing that. <laughs> as my next time. That's funny. Okay. Yeah, that would be awesome. So what resources would you give somebody who was in that season of, I'm feeling lonely, I'm depressed, I'm not in the place I'm supposed to be in? What, like, what book did your mom give you, or what resources would you recommend? Oh, man, I can't remember it, but I drove straight to Borders back when we still had a Borders mm-hmm. right there um, on uh, 21st Street, and I bought it. Um, I cannot remember the name of it. It was a paperback book. It was in the self-help. There's no shame in shopping the self-help books. Mm-hmm. Like, sure. I was a little intimidated to go there. Um, turns out that's where all the good books are. <laughs> and I'm like, this is a plethora of it. Why haven't I come here before? Um, because I always just leaned heavily on my mother. So my number one resource would be to lean on that person that you feel has your best interest at heart. Um, in the case with my mother, has the most to lose if I make a choice that's not maybe one of my best. Um, so she's all in. She's invested with me. Uh, and I called my husband too and I'm like, I have to tell you that I'm having these feelings. I don't think they're normal. I'm not sure why I'm having them. Not had them before. Um, 
but I'm really struggling right now. And this isn't a, let's go eat some carbs and watch a show, sure. like get over it type thing. Right. This is a, we need to work with the why about this and, mm-hmm. and, and take wise counsel. So that wise counsel was there. That group of women, Darina Bankston, the group of women from the WMU at church that I was doing Bible studies in those women's homes, those women were great listeners and would give sage advice. Darina gave me, uh, would, um, she didn't text me because, you know, she had blue hair. Not before blue hair was cool, but like old lady hair. Um, and so she would <laughs> send me. on my blue streaks right No, now. this is cool lady hair, but this was like, you know, my hands on the Buick are above my beehive hair. That uh-huh. she would mail, write out on little scripts, verses, and put them in envelopes and mail them to my house. Oh, and wow. those little, like, real envelopes with a stamp. Oh. And I would get them, and I earmarked all of them in my Bible, and I wrote them out on sticky notes and put them on my bathroom mirror. I put them on my monitor at work, and it's what got me through. I put one in my car, um, and I just stayed immersed in that scripture that was so encouraging. Psalm 121 got me through all the darkness of working at that school it really helped me and I just committed it to the Lord is my shade at my right hand the sun will not strike me by day the moon by night he will guard my coming out my going in as I was scared to take my key Mm -hmm. to open there he is with me he is always with I'm not here by myself I'm never by myself Mm -hmm. if I choose to to do something that would harm myself. God is still with me there too. Would he want me to make this choice? Like I'm constantly thinking all these things in my mind and thinking what value would I be taking from others in doing this? How how destitute I would be leaving my spouse. Um, you know, and sometimes those new marriages, like you get in the car and you start it and you think, maybe I could go to Mexico. <laughs> Yeah. Or just or just run back to what's comfortable. And again, I called my mother and be like, so here's the deal. I'm in the driveway. And I'm I'm questioning all my life's choices, like all of them. Do you think I should come home? And she would say, I did this exact same thing. And I'm going to tell you what my father told me. Stay in the car for a minute. Listen to a song or two. Do whatever you need to do. Turn off the ignition and go back in the house. Left foot, right foot, breathe. We're just going to keep moving forward. And I'm always here if you need me. So you just call. Who up there can you talk to? And so I mentioned the la- Yep, go talk to those ladies at church. Yep, that's who I'd call. And that's what I did. And that's kind of what got us through. And then leaning heavily on my faith in God to get me out of here. Mm-hmm. Get yeah. me. I'm stuck in the desert. I need you. I don't need the bread from han- uh, manna from heaven. I need the exit ramp (laughs) because I'm thinking I might make my own exit ramp. So I need you to show me the way that I can, can exit safely. And And he did. He did. And transition your life into this whole new role and whole new season. Not that motherhood is just like the answer. I don't want to confuse people and saying, oh, just have a baby that fixes everything. No, 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 no. But there were seasons around the corner that I couldn't anticipate because I didn't have any knowledge of that. Mm -hmm. And so by waiting and trusting and getting through the dark, um, it was was a good path forward. Mm -hmm. Well, and you can look back now and see that that season of being at that school, you know, all these stories. Yes. There's nothing that somebody can be like, you'll never believe what happened to me at school today. You'd be like, actually, I can probably believe it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then going through that depression, yes. you have students, you have other 
coworkers, you're, you're maybe even your own children that are going to go through these seasons and feelings that you can absolutely totally relate to. Mm-hmm. Yes, and to young teachers in our building who are saying, you know, I'm 20-something and I haven't found anyone right. to love yet and I'm, I don't know what that, maybe I should go back or maybe I should do this or what if I made a different decision here and you can say, well, I really don't think God would bring you this far to leave you. Mm-hmm. So here's the verse I used, and you just keep praying for that, and you just keep having the faith because let me tell you how my story happened. Librarian named Jane Ann Malakoski, and I start the story, and they're like, no way, and I'm like, <laughs> yes, way. Who would have thought taco salad, married, 17 years, two kids. Like, um, life is a crazy ride, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you just got to hang on and, and don't get off before before the ride's over. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing, Jennifer. Yeah. We are so thankful for you and love your story. Oh, so thank much. you. It's so cool to see how God has weaved through every single season so faithfully. Mm-hmm. So he knew what was around the bend before you did. Yes. <laughs> and I'm so thankful for that. Yes. That's why I keep trusting and yes. keep having faith for through COVID or whatever is next for us. I just keep trusting. Mm-hmm. Because he's been faithful to me so far. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure talking with you, Gales. Listeners, thanks for joining us today to hear Dr. Jennifer Holloway on Afraid Not. We are so glad you were here. And I think it's very important, the message that she gave, that sometimes we're in seasons where we're lonely and things are hard. But it's a season, and we, we can't get off that exit ramp too early. Um, it's important that we lean on our wise counsel. We lean on our faith to get pull us out of that desert. So I just really thought this was a very important message today. And what a great storyteller she is. Absolutely. She sent us to one of the verses that, or passages, that was really helpful for her in her life was Psalm 121. And there are some, one of the things that I would like to do before we and our episode today is just close with a few of the, the sweet verses that are for you. They're for you today, too. Listener, wherever you are, to know that God is with you. Um, here's what Psalm 121 says. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. May God bless you, listener, and we are so glad that you were here today to hear this, and we hope you'll share this episode with a friend, and we'll be bringing more material in your earbuds in two weeks. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and if you're interested in advertising, let us know, and we will be back in two weeks. See you later.